We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. nation what is going on happy wednesday everybody we hope you guys are having an awesome hump day because we are over here getting things ready for this pacers bucks game before we get into that i think everybody on pacers twitter was saying we gotta find a second star so fashi please tell the people what we're doing today all right you know it was bound to happen at some point but alex and i are targeting five players that we think the pacers should trade for this year we're going to tell you, obviously, who they are, why we should trade for them, maybe why we shouldn't, or why we should be hesitant, and then also what, what the, the situation is with their contract. So a few different factors that goes into this, but we're going to give you five names for today of players that we think the Pacers should target. All right, Fachi, well, let's start with you at number five. Who are we talking about? At number five, I've brought him up before, and I just can't get him out of my head. I have interest. No, that was one time. One time, Kelly Olynyk was number 10 on a, on a list of 10 players. And, and everybody makes it seem like he was my number one option. Anyway, Kyle Anderson. Look, oh Kyle Anderson. Second star. No, I didn't, I'm not saying second star. I said well, that's what I said to you. Second we star is what the whole okay. point of this was. Well, um, Mine was not second star. I'm talking about five okay, players. We'll we just talk about Kyle Anderson. Okay. For Look, you're going to be severely let down oh if you God. thought that Kyle Anderson is the number two guy. I'm just talking about players that they should target. Look, at this point, Kyle Anderson, is a, he's a good part of what the Timberwolves are doing defensively, why they are one of the top, if not the top, defensive unit. He's six foot nine. He's had length. He's always been a good defender. I feel he's what the Pacers need on the defensive end of things. He can make plays. I just feel like he's always been a well-balanced player. He's heading into free agency. 
And on a team that already has a lot of money committed to Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert, uh, you know, Ant and Jaden McDaniels, his $9.2 million expiring, I just feel like he could be had and, and it wouldn't cost an arm and a leg. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it could be had for the right price. It's Kyle Anderson. There's not that much that you have to really think too much about there. But I also would say the only pushback is the Timberwolves are like one of the top seeds in the Western Conference, if not number one. So I don't Mm -hmm. think they're going to be changing anything at this point in time. Now, they could always look to upgrade if they're missing something. Maybe they wanted some shooting from the Pacers instead. So you switch out of Kyle Anderson. But no, I mean, I've liked Kyle Anderson for a long time. Just don't necessarily see the excitement to bring him to indiana and and i get that and i could here's one thing i can say i can promise the other four names on this list are bigger than kyle anderson but you hope. know if we want if we wanted to have like if i wanted to just sub in someone as a fifth option i mean laurie marketing is, is a guy that was on my honorable mention list honorable mentions you didn't pick him over kyle anderson i did not i did not because I, I do think that at this point, Kyle Anderson's going to be had for way less. He's going to help more True. on the defensive end. And I, I just felt like right now the Pacers have a lot of offense. They really do. Could Lloyd Marketing help this team? Yes, he could. But I think that Kyle Anderson could have an impact on this team that doesn't cost you, you know, players like a Jarris Walker or potentially like a Benedict Matherin and numerous first round picks and, and other stuff. I think that Kyle Anderson is a far more reasonable get but is a uh, much, you know, smaller name in the grand scheme of things of uh, a second guy. Well, you kind of stole my thunder because my number five was the marksman himself, ah. Lori Markinen, Fachi. Okay. Okay, so let, let's talk about Lori Markin. And Obviously, he's got a pretty nice contract right now. I don't know if you've seen his contract number. Oh, I got now. it right in front of me. It's great. All right. Talk to me. million this year and $18 million next year. Alex, that is as good as it gets for a guy who's coming off of a killer year where he was an all-star. That's like almost going to be pennies in the future for NBA salaries when you see guys making $40 to $50 million a year. So continue on Lloyd Marketing because obviously I'm intrigued as well. Okay, so here's my thing. I think that offensively he would fit in perfect with this Pacers team. Um. I don't think they need additional scoring, but I think they could re- use a more reliable secondary scorer so he could be that for them. He was an all-star last year, so yes, he technically could be a star in quotations. I don't think he's technically a star in the league, so that's why I have him at number at number five for like potential. I, here's the thing. I don't think, number one, that Danny Ainge is going to trade him. I think this is too good of a contract. With where the Jazz are at, You know, they're still trying to build this thing up. They've made some pretty good picks in the draft the last couple of years. Uh, Walker Kessler, Keontae George. So they've they've been able to kind of target some guys and make it work. I think they've got a good infrastructure there. I think they got a good coaching system there. Um, they got one of the great assistants from Boston. That I know a lot of Boston people were really upset that Danny Ainge kind of pried away from from Boston. So that was uh, a good move by them. But I just think that Laurie Markkinen, like if you add him to this team, it gives you a legitimate number four that you can actually feel as a starter. I don't feel like the Pacers have a starting power forward right now. And no. We talked about it yesterday. Obi Toppin played just 12 minutes against the Pistons. I think Obi Toppin fits the Pacers system, but I think he's a role player. I think he's a bench guy. I don't think he's a starter. And he's kind of playing a bigger role than I think he's actually capable of playing on a night-to-night basis. And that's just my opinion on Obi Toppin. If people are really excited about Obi Toppin, I'm sorry, but that's just how I feel. Laurie Markkinen is 
a significantly better scorer. I mean, he's averaging what 23 points a game this year, I think, Bocci, something along the lines like that. So yep. he's uh he's been yeah, 23.7 points per game, 8.7 rebounds, uh, 1.1 assists, 1.1 steals, almost a block a game. He's shooting the basketball pretty well, 48% from the field. 38% from three of those numbers are down a little bit from last year. So I doubt mm-hmm. he makes the all-star team this year, but I will say, I just feel like he's a pretty solid player that I, I would like. And he's only 26 years old. That's a big thing. No, it, it is. And I don't think he'll make the all-star game just because last year he was so improved from previous years that I feel like he was beyond earning of that spot. Um, I, I think this year now you you're kind of like, okay, now you expect him to be good. And the Jazz as a team just aren't good. But still a really good player that I think makes a lot of sense for Utah to move because I don't think that he is someone that you build around as your number one guy. And in Utah right now, if you're going to build around him as a number one guy, you're just not going to win that many games. So I think that he makes a lot of sense to be moved for the Pacers. You know, could he be a number two option? Yeah, you know, he could. I, I wonder with him as your number two, how good of a team are you? You're definitely better. But, you know, I still feel like you, you dream a little bit bigger for that number two guy. Now, All right, well, let's dream bigger, Faji. Who we got at number I'm gonna, four? I'm going to dream bigger. And this guy is probably going to be a lot higher on a lot of other people's lists. But he's only number four on mine. And, I, and I'm not. I'm not saying because your list was definitely geared more towards who's the number two guy. I I geared it more towards who's the five guys the Pacers should trade for that make a lot of sense. But at number four, this guy accomplishes both. It's Pascal Siakam. Now okay. you're probably wondering how does one man have more guys ahead on his list? That is how. That's how I described it. But look, Siakam is just what the Pacers need. But in my heart of hearts, I am not convinced that he would necessarily re-sign Indiana. I look, unless we offered far more money than other teams are willing to offer. But he offensively, great. Defensively, hey, you're gonna you're gonna get some some great stuff as well. He's got the length. I feel like he's killed the Pacers this year. Um and he would have helped against you know Anthony Davis. But here's the thing, Alex. Here's why I'm hesitant. He's already 29 years old. He's coming off of you know making about 40 million dollars a year. Are you ready to max out Pascal Siakam and flip that clock ready to it becomes now all of a sudden you're all in potential championship or bust. And then you got to realize what is Siakam going to be like at 33 to 34 years old, making about $50 million per year. Because for me, he's already on an expiring contract. That's a risk in itself. Dealing with the Raptors, that's another risk. Uh, maybe I'm cheap. Maybe my wallet's a little thin. But at this point, I'm a little bit hesitant to trade a lot for Siakam without any sort of guarantee that he'll re-sign. And we have heard he's going to hit free agency no matter who trades for him. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I buy that or not in terms of he will hit free agency. I think that's a that's more of a threat to the Raptors because he wanted to be traded because okay. he knows the Raptors are kind of taking a step back and he wants to kind of ride off into the sunset here in his, you know, last probably big contract that he's going to get. He wants to make good money. It so, is. Um, I have Pascal Siakam higher. I don't want to say too much now and kind of take away understand my there. I understand all of your complaints. Um, the only thing I will say is when you're talking about the money, We've seen so many guys sign big contracts and they don't live 
They don't they don't play them out. Teams move off these contracts when there's a year left or two years left. And who knows what the what the salary cap is going to be like in four to five years once you do. Like is that percentage, you know, while it might be like, oh, it's 35% of the cap in 2023. Well, is that going to be, you know, that high of a percentage when it comes to 2027 or 2028? I don't think we know that yet. So the way that things have projected, I think it'll be a, a very similar, like it'll just stay the same percentage-wise to what the actual cap space is. So I would not worry about that too much. But when you're talking about Fitz, Fachi, you said he's a perfect fit for this team, right? Yeah, I love fit. That's what I care most about. Does he fit this team? And if he fits this team, doesn't that make you feel like he would resign more, especially if they have success? I, I don't know enough about Pascal Siakam, the person, to be like, is Indiana somewhere that he could look past and say like, hey, look, this is where I definitely want to be? Or for him, is it just like, hey, you're going to have to significantly outbid and give me the most money out there. Somewhere where we know Bruce Brown obviously chose the Pacers because the Pacers offer was far bigger than others. But it was just a two-year, $45 million deal. For yeah. Siakam, I'm worried that you would have to absolutely max him out in order to get this done, and that's after trading a good amount for him. So I'm just a bit hesitant knowing that we have not been able to sign those players in free agency in the past. Pascal Siakam, if he was to outright sign, even if you traded for him and he's in re-signed extension, that's the biggest signing the Pacers have ever had in franchise history. Well, things are changing with Tyrese Halliburton. So I'm I definitely not, think so. I definitely don't have the same concerns that you do, and I'm sure there's a lot of okay. people who – and I've seen a lot of concerns. Trust me, I've seen the concerns about Pascal Siakam all over social media, and uh, I will touch on those a little bit deeper when I get to my guy, uh, Pascal. But moving on for me at number four, this is someone I brought up, and I told you to keep an eye on him this season because I believe in him. It's Trey Murphy the third. I'm not backing off of this. I still oh, you believe love that the, Trey Murphy yeah. the third can be good. And look, he's only played three games this year, but in those three games, Fachi, 16 points a game, 2.7 rebounds, 1.0 assist. He's played 24 minutes per game in those three games, so that's pretty good scoring-wise in terms of just 24 minutes. Shooting 46% from the field, 36% from three, which is not great, but for a career, he's shot uh, shot 39.8%, so you're talking almost a 40% shooter. 64.3% from two this year, though, which is his high so far. Once again, small sample size. You can't really count three games as much of a sample size. But my biggest thing here, Fachi, is he's still on his rookie contract, right? Drafted in 2021. He's only in year three, I believe it is. So he's like the same draft classes of Chris Duarte. But look at this Pelicans roster. Look at how much money they have thrown into a handful of their players. Um, you got CJ McCollum, make him 35.8. Zion. He's on a max deal, $34 million. Brandon Ingram, $33.8 million. Uh, Valanchunas, I believe he's expiring this year. He's at 15.4. You've got Herb Jones, who's making 12. Larry Nance making 10. So he is the 10th highest paid player on this team at $3.359 million. If the Pacers can somehow get their hands on him and try to find a fair trade with the Pelicans, I think they would be smart to go after him after him and do that. He's a, he's a small forward. I think they need an upgrade of the small forward. I don't think Buddy Hield's a long-term answer at the small forward position. I think he could play next to a Benedict Matherin, a Bruce Brown, whoever they want to put out there with him. I think he has that capability. I believe in his game. So I'm I'm not the biggest Trey Murphy defender, even though I love Trey Murphy. That would be my friend, Rhett Bauer. <laughs> Everybody knows Rhett. Rhett is a Trey Murphy stand, and he will give you 
every good reason why he fits with the Pacers. I'm trying to give you some, but I, I just think that Trey makes a lot of sense for this team. Now, for your exercise, you were doing it as a number two option. Yeah. Do you feel Trey Murphy could be a number two I, on the Pacers? You have to project a little bit with who's out there on the market, and I think that's part of the reason why I could at least explain that. I could say, look, he's only in his third year in the NBA. Um, I think that he fits the timeline really well with Tyrese and, and the young guys. Definitely fits so the timeline. If you're if you're looking at rookie contract, trying to take advantage of someone like that that's on a good team that's kind of like their 10th in the Western Conference right now, they – you know, lost by 44 points on national TV to the Lakers in the in-season tournament game. Like, this is a weird Pelicans team, and they could break it up, and there could be other names that are a little bit higher paid that could be on the move as well for them yeah. if they want to change things up. But, you know, I'm not going after McCollum. I think Zion's proven that he no. can't stay healthy. And so then maybe you're talking Brandon Ingram. Maybe we'll get to him later. I don't know. But I just feel like if you're trying to make a, a big bang for your buck and kind of projecting here, I think that Trey Murphy has star potential in him. So, I would be willing to do that, and I think that he could impact the game right away and then maybe kind of ascend over the next year or two. I don't think it would necessarily be like, okay, he's a star right now, number two star right now next to Tyrese, but give him a few years. I think him, Matherin, and Murphy together, that could be good. Halliburton, Matherin, and Murphy. That very very well could, and I know that it it was rough with the injury because I know you were really talking about this offseason. I was saying, oh, I'm excited to watch more Trey Murphy, and then he's only played three games this year, so it's hard to really see that breakout, and that could very well be this year. It could be, and I know you're trying to project, so I think at that point, it's like, okay, it's hard to get the full picture of could he be a number two, or is he just a good, you know, number three option on a team. I think that he has a lot of promise, a lot of talent. I have no idea in regards to what type of contract he would be due next. We'll see how he finishes. I feel like this is that year that defines what the contract could be. If he kills it, hey, he could be looking at being handsomely paid. But to your point, the Pelicans could blow it up. I think Ingram is probably someone they should look to trade because they haven't won with Brandon Ingram. Really good player. But I think that he's someone that could bring in, or Zion at that point. I think Trey Murphy is a guy that you should keep and build around because Mm. he's obviously cheaper, younger, and I just think at this point, you know, Brandon Ingram, they haven't won anything with him. McCollum, at this point, I don't know how, I don't know what his contract is off the top of my head. I know they've re-signed him at one point after trading for him, but interesting. I respect you. You stick with Trey Murphy, and I look forward to watching more of him because I've not gotten to do that this year given he's only played three games. Well, you got to look at like the Pacers have done a very good job of targeting young players. Fantastic job. That have not been really like given that extra playing time. Now, I think Murphy's actually been given playing time because he was a starter. But like, you know, they go out there, they target a Tyrese Halliburton who was a starter with De'Aaron Fox, but just wasn't in the right spot. And the team felt like they needed to make a move to kind of shake things up. Aaron Eastmith, they kind of got him for nothing. Paperclip and a piece of string, right? We've seen the SpongeBob meme Mm -hmm. about the trade for him. So, you know, they, they didn't feel like they valued him enough. And I, I just love the way he plays. Jalen Smith has been a bright spot, even though he's had an up and down time here in Indiana. Like he's just worked his way through it. I just think the Pacers have the right system to kind of develop while trying to win. And I think that Trey Murphy would just be an instant help for this team with what they need. Throw Obi Toppin in the mix. You got him for about oh, a bag true. of chips, some peanuts. I mean, honestly, he's having a career year across the board. So yeah. I Isaiah think Jackson has taken steps too. Internal. Growth. I mean, Jordan Award, when he was getting minutes last year, looked really good compared to anything that he had shown previously. So I think the Pacers just have a history of developing talent uh, that that's going on to their second team or so. So I think Trey Murphy already ahead of all those guys that you mentioned. I, I would say Hal Burton was good. Trey Murphy definitely way ahead of, of the rest of that group. 
But for next on my list, while this guy is not a number two, he's a guy who I don't think has reached his full potential. He's someone that I've loved for quite some time, and I think he's someone that just overall makes sense for the Pacers to target. It's DeAndre Hunter. I said his name all, all throughout this offseason. He's a good two-way player at six foot eight. He's 26 years old. He fits this timeline. This is me. This is why I feel a little bit safer. This is why I can, you know, rest my head amongst my six pillows and have a blanket on and sleep like a baby. Because DeAndre Hunter is signed through this year and three more seasons. I don't think that we have seen the best of DeAndre Hunter. And to your point before about Trey Murphy, I think that's what he could accomplish in Indiana. I think that Tyrese would get the best out of him. I think that he would be, you know, I think he is probably what Aaron Neesmith could hope to be. DeAndre mm. Hunter is a real good player. And I think that let's let's talk about the number, the salaries. Twenty to twenty-five million dollars over each of the next four years. That's like Bruce Brown money, but you're going to get a lot more production. Overall, it's four years, $90 million. It ends in, in 2027. He'll be just 29 years old at the end of that contract. Running through some numbers right now, he's averaging 14.8 points, 4.2 rebounds. He's shooting 45% from the field and 37% from three. Mm -hmm. uh, overall, I just think that this is someone who, yeah, he's not a 20 points per game scorer, but he's someone who's given you good two-way play in this league. Yeah, he's an interesting character. I mean, I, I want to believe in him really bad. I know the Pacers actually targeted him during the mm -hmm. draft process, right? That was part of the part of the conversations, but the Pacers were unwilling to part with pick number seven for him in any trade with Atlanta and Atlanta was refusing to trade him unless they got pick seven. So the Pacers were trying to find other ways to get him without doing that trade. But yeah, I mean, if they can get him for pennies on the dollar, I shouldn't say that they can get it for equal value. That's yeah. fair. I wouldn't overpay for a Deandre Hunter. I think he's fine. And, and going back to like me looking at like two way players, like, or, or a secondary star, like I don't necessarily believe he can become that type of player, he's but not. I do think, but I do think he can become a role player. And he would make this team better. There's no doubt about that. Just give them some size that they desperately need on the wing. Anytime you can add, anytime you can add size on the wing, you're going to be like, okay, this this makes us a different team. And depending on what they have to give up, I think it would matter. But I think, I just, I wonder how much Atlanta is uh, invested in him, or if they're using him kind of as like that guy that that they could move to kind of swing a big trade. I just don't think we have. I think he's that guy. Turn. I don't think we I, have. And, and I agree with that. No, 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 no. That's a great point. I think he is their trade chip. He's yeah. the guy that's like, okay, you know what? He can bring back, you know, a, a bigger player. He's got A, the salary, B, he's got the talent. You know, if you're the Pacers, I mean, you you could offer, you know, it could be two, two first-round picks and I don't know. I don't know if two first-round picks and Bruce Brown gets that deal done. Salaries are, are even. The One of those picks isn't going to be great. You got the Pacers pick. It's really not that much for extra. It's really not because he's signed for three more years after this. In my opinion, I feel that uh, DeAndre Hunter is a, a lesser OG Ananobi. And if we want to just go by the stats, OG is a better defender. He is. But look at these stats of how similar they are. OG is averaging 14.8 points per game. DeAndre, 14.8 points per game. Rebound. Uh, OG, 4.3. DeAndre Hunter, 4.2. Uh, field goal percentage, OG, 46%. Uh, DeAndre Hunter, 45%. Uh, 
I just feel that these players are very similar. One guy is signed for three more years. The other guy is hitting free agency this year and still might cost a decent amount via the trade market. So I think that he's the lesser name that's still giving you, you know, a lot of production. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Fair point. But that's why I don't have DeAndre Hunter on my list, and I have OG and Anobi on mine at number three, is because I believe he is a better player overall. And I think he yes. fits this team perfectly with what they want to do. Also is a part of CAA sports who also represents Tyrese Halliburton and miles Turner, the two best players on the team and Obi top. And who also worked to get a trade here. We even heard, I believe it was Rick Carlisle say that his agency reached out like a year before it was like, we want to get Obi to Indiana. Let's make this work. Can we try to find something here? So Love it. OG and Obi did say something to Tyrese Halliburton on the court last year. There is no doubt about that. I love OG Ananobi, 26 years old, Vaji. Just like DeAndre Hunter, he fits this timeline perfectly. But let me ask you this. Is he a star? He's not. He's not, though. He's not even an all-star. He's a very good player that you hope could be an all-star. But, you know, let's be honest. OG is not a star. He is a very good player. And that is where I am a little bit hesitant to trade a bunch for him. I and agree. I, I like OG a lot. And here's my point. I think that the Raptors fan base, they're the people that are covering the team, they have said that because of his age, he fits the timeline a little bit more with Scotty Barnes. So it'll probably be harder to pry him away from Toronto. Now here's my thought process, because I feel like as good as OG is, he's had injury problems throughout his career and he hasn't been able to kind of break out and become an all-star level player. He's in year six. That doesn't mean he can't become one eventually. But we saw Victor Oladipo become an all-star in year five with the Pacers after being traded from Orlando to Oklahoma City to us. Do you think there is a world where OG Ananobi can kind of have a similar path to a former Indiana Hoosier coming back to the home state that he played college for 
breaking out and becoming that all-star level player. I think that the answer is probably not as drastic as Oladipo. Yeah, that's that's where I'm But at. I think with Tyrese Halliburton, he could put up some big numbers. And if he can elevate his game a little bit more and be a, a more of a consistent player all around, and this Pacer team gets into the top three, top four, he is easily their second best player if they trade for him. I like your point about Oladipo. The reason why I don't think he would have the Oladipo type of effect is Oladipo was the number two overall pick. This yeah. was a guy that I think had a higher ceiling. And I think that he was able to achieve that with Indiana, but I understand where you're going with it. And OG, while he's averaging, let's just say points-wise, 14.8 this year, he's been higher in the past. He had been around 17 points per game each of the last two years. So he does have a bit of a higher ceiling. And, and I think at times, I mean, he's a really good three-point shooter. I think overall, he's a very good player that I think is fits so many teams that I think his trade value has become so much higher as a result of that because you know there's going to be many suitors for him. And Alex, I'm going to rip the Band-Aid off. He's next on my list. I'm just going to go into it. I agree with you. OG. I mean, it feels like OG and the Pacers have been like, like uh, you know, flirting for a draft. while. Like, there's been there's been rumors for years. You know, it's like, what did he say on the court? You know, the fans want him. This that is he coming to Indiana? Like, I agree, he fits this team like a glove. I just feel like the the, the asking price. It's it's not cheap. It's not. You know, Toronto thinks they're going to re-sign them. I don't think he's going to re-sign in Toronto. What do I know at the end of the day? Money talks. But I, I do think, though, that it makes a lot of sense for OG to come to the Pacers and for the Pacers to have interest in OG. But I also do think that he could take his game and that he will take his game to the next level in Indiana. Because what we saw in Toronto, it's good, but he could be better. And I think that he could be someone knocking on the door of 18 to 20 points, giving you all-NBA type defense, and being exactly what the Pacers need to really raise their ceiling. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I think that he is a very interesting player. I, I, I just love the way that he plays on both ends of the floor, and we really don't have that. Now, to me, there's been times where he's not like a guy that's looking for his offense consistently, and I think that's where the Pacers could really use a two-way guy that can do that because 14 points a game, that's not that much. So – no. Especially with how much the Pacers like to play and their pace they want to play. Like, could he increase that to like 18 points a game, make you feel better about it? Potentially. And, you know, we are a strength and number kind of team, and that's maybe how we'll stay built even if we do go out and get a number two guy. But, you know, I, I love OG Ananobi's game. I can't stress that enough. My only concern is, you know, how much does he want in free agency? Is he going to want a max contract? And is he worth a max contract? I don't necessarily think that he is. but I would rather overpay for someone like that than an overpay for Bruce Brown like we did this year. So, you know, you can justify the Bruce Brown signing because they didn't really have any other options. They had to spend the money and it was a one-year kind of rental thing. I think somebody even said like it was a built-in trade exception, <laughs> basically, by getting yeah, all that money much. attached to him. But at this point right now, like Bruce Brown to me, I've tried to be very patient with him, kind of defend him. And there's been moments where he's really played well, but I feel like he's not even lived up to the expectations that I think a lot of fans had for him either. So uh, I, I would definitely be okay with OG Ananobi. Obviously, I have him on my list at number three. My only problem is, is, is he really truly that number two guy? And is that the guy you want to spend all your money on that you have in free agency? 
And that's that is the the question. And I, I just think that is OG from what he's done in the NBA a max player? I, I don't think so. But that's what the going rate is going to be. That that's what it's gonna have to be because he's going to have plenty of suitors, and especially if you're the Pacers, that's what you gotta offer. So could he be a true number two? I don't know. I think he could be like an elite third option. I would love to say that he could raise his game to be the number two, but I think that there's no doubt about it. He makes this Pacers team drastically better. Uh, the one thing that I'm worried about is still another one of those players between him and Siakam. You're gonna have to trade so you're gonna have to trade a lot just to be able to get him, and then you gotta pay top top dollar. So. That's the tough part about this. You really hope Toronto lowers their asking price or he could just pick you in free agency, but sometimes it just doesn't quite work out like that. But uh, like I said, he was number two on my list. Who's number two on yours? And that is the guy that was his teammate, or that is his teammate right now, drafted from New Mexico State in the 2016 NBA draft, 27th overall, and has the same agent as Andrew Nimmar, Jafar Trufani. It's our guy, Pascal Siakam. And Pascal Siakam brings a lot of things to the table, Fachi. All-NBA second team in 2019-20. All-NBA third team, 21-22. He's been multiple-time All-Star. An NBA champion. He has a lot on his resume. He plays a position of need, the Pacers need. And right now, Fachi, you talked about it. He's averaging 20.7 points per game, 6.9 rebounds per game, and 5 assists per game. This is a guy that instantly helps the Pacers win. And I'm kind of just fed up with the talk of, oh, my God, he's 29 years old. He's so old. We can't sign him to a max contract. Like, I understand you said it, and I get the concerns. But my thing is, listen, he's going to enter his – he's entering his prime right now. He's 29 years old. He's in his prime. He's going to help us win immediately. And we need someone like that that can go out there and do that. We're begging for someone. You want to have a deep playoff run? You have to go out there and trade for somebody like this. I understand – Oh, we're worried about the timeline. We're about this. Look, if he can do that for the next two years while Ben Matherin is still ascending, and then by the time he starts to take a little bit of a dip and Ben starts to rise to the occasion as that number two guy, now you're talking about you have a three, like you know, have a big three with Halliburton, Matherin, and Siakam. And I think Siakam fits this style perfectly. He can even play small ball five at times. If you want to go bigger, he can even play the three at times. I just feel like he is a guy, to me, that's more gettable than an OG and an OB. He does have a big contract, $37 million on this con on his contract this year. So you're going to have to pay a lot. You have about $9.5 million in cap space. You got a Buddy Hilde or a Bruce Brown contract. You've got TJ McConnell's contract. You've got Jordan Moore's contract. You can find different ways to make this work. But what I'm trying to get at is if the Pacers are serious about winning with Tyrese Halliburton right now, he is a perfect fit for this team. And I actually think that his defense next to Miles in the front court drastically improves this team's defense. We got obliterated in the paint against the Lakers. And the more I thought about that, just oh, yeah. having someone out there that can defend their butt off and, and give you some size that you need, he is the perfect fit. I know people don't love it because of the age, but I'm just, I'm I'm very fascinated with him fitting in here. There's a reason why Woj mentioned Pascal Siakam specifically and OG Ananobi for who the Pacers could target. Keep your eyes on that. I don't think Woj just leaked stuff that he hasn't heard and, and we know they were talking about it earlier before the season even started. So it's probably going to cost you a Jairus Walker. It's probably going to cost you a pick. It's probably going to cost you a salary filler that you don't want to maybe get rid of. But he's worth that to me. And I understand people are like, you haven't even seen Jairus Walker play. Why would you trade him? 
at this point, the Pacers are trying to win. They don't have time for Juris Walker to develop over the next four years because Tyrese Halliburton is wanting to win now. And it's all about Halliburton because he is the franchise player and you got to build around him. If he wants you to go get Pascal Siakam, I'm sorry, you go do it. I know, and that is the thing. And I, I really did try and think of it in my head is like, in order to get to, you know, you mentioned about $37, $38 million, you got the $9 million in cap space. If you got Bruce Brown, that's $22.5 million. You know, you probably got to then throw in, I'd say, McConnell you know, to, to get to about 30 or so. So you're, you know, you're, you're at where you need salary wise. You got those two in there. Now you're definitely having to give up a Jairus Walker. No doubt about it. There's got to be an elite prospect in there. And then there's got to be at least one first round pick. I would Probably think two. so. I would imagine. I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. There's got to be something in there. Then at that point, if you don't re-sign Siakam, what happens to the Pacers? Well, here's I mean, the thing. They already said, Woj already said, the Pacers are not worried about getting someone to resign here. You know why? Because they feel confident they, that they, if they do they get in here, they'll resign. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think there would be some kind of agreement that if they were brought in here, that they would resign too. They're going to have their bird rights. They're going to be able to offer them more than anybody else could mm-hmm. offer them. And I think that Pascal Siakam is someone that doesn't need a big market. He's not that kind of player. And that's something that I think is big for what the Pacers are trying to do. Like, yes, maybe OG and Anobi is a better fit overall with what he can do defensively and how the Pacers play defense. But I think Pascal Siakam has at least a lot, like he's proven a lot more in his, yeah. on his resume to show you what he is as a player. And we've, we don't have to worry about who he is or what he can become because we already know what he is. And what he is is someone that put 30 some points on us when we played him. We had no answer for him, but he does that on a night to night basis. I mean, he is a very, very, very talented player. So, I mean, money wise, I get it. It's tough. It's tough to talk about it's losing. Scary. Players, but it's, I, I it's think that if the Pacers, scary, the Pacers would not trade Bruce Brown, would be my guess. I think they would trade Buddy Hield. Here's why. Number one, you just signed Bruce Brown. You don't want to send bad messages to free agents that come here. And number two, you got Ben Shepard on the roster. And Ben Shepard is kind of that Buddy Hield replacement insurance for the future. So if they have to do that, it kind of puts Buddy out of the out of the out of the mix. And I think you feel more confident about your defense. Having Bruce, having Pascal and Turner in your starting five, your defense gets drastically better. And now you have to figure out, do we go back to Matherin at the five, at, the, at the three? Or do we maybe in slide in Neesmith here and let Toppin play the four off the bench and, and let him kind of cook with Matherin and Nimhard and that group? I mean, that's still a pretty strong eight-man rotation right there, not including your center position with Isaiah or Jalen. So that to me, like when I'm looking at that on paper, like that helps you out a lot. And then you kind of have to wonder, what could, what else could they do? Could they could they do a sign and trade in the in the offseason for OG? <laughs> There's other options available too. Yeah, I mean we're definitely dreaming pretty big at that point. But no, I mean obviously, look, Siakam is someone who, like I've said before, he he raises the floor, raises the ceiling, whatever you want to say for this Pacers immediately. They now become a team that you expect to be able to compete. And if Siakam's already this good. He's going to be even better with Halliburton. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's just a fact. So my whole thing is if Siakam ends up, if you make this trade, Siakam signs, it, 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 he's the perfect guy for it. It's awesome. If he doesn't re-sign, we took that home run swing and we struck out. And I think that, that that's the hard thing to, to, you know, to really uh, be able to swallow. But I think at this point, there comes a time in a franchise where you do have to take a risk. And Toronto did that risk 
when they traded for Kawhi. It was a bold move. And he didn't re-sign, but they did win that championship. And I think that the Pacers aren't maybe necessarily saying that they're championship or bust, but if they were to have a, a, a big run to a conference finals or a finals or everything, that alone would be able to say, hey, this trade really made a big, big difference for this franchise. So, you know, hey, I, I think I'm warming up to it. Like I said, I know it's not my wallet, but I just know that that contract is going to be ferociously big. And you just hope that Siakam can live up to it at that point. I mean, what other bet do you have? What other players are coming here? You know what I mean? Like, if you guys can find me someone that's actually going to, like, be willing to come here and stay here, like, then then prove it to me. But I just feel like at this point, the guys that you probably want are already on contracts with other teams that aren't going to be free agents. You know, everyone wants to throw out Paul George, and maybe he is both of our number ones. We'll get to that. But he's 33 years old. The Clippers aren't trading him right now. So... You know, let's just like pump the brakes on everything. Like, yeah, I would love it if Paul George came here. Don't get me wrong, but it's like, yeah, it feels much more realistic that a Pascal could become available and the Pacers could get him if they wanted him. Look, Atlanta, they've been very interested. Can the Pacers outbid Atlanta? Absolutely. Can they outbid Oklahoma City Thunder? No, they cannot. But do the Thunder need him? Are the Thunder going to go all in for Pascal Siakam? I don't think so. They've already got a lot of good front court players that they really want to believe in for the future. So I just think that for Indiana, they're kind of like the perfect fit. It's, it feels kind of like how they needed a point guard for so long. They need a four for so long. And I think Pascal, even though he's not young, he's only, he's 29. He's not young in NBA terms, but he's still got at least to me, three to four good years left in him. And we've seen a lot of guys in the league be able to last longer just because of the way they try to stretch the schedule out and get the treatment for these guys right. I mean, I just think Rick Carlisle would love Pascal Siakam. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, I think I think Rick would love him. I think the fan base would love him. I think it'd be awesome. Anytime you say he's not young, he's 29, it makes me feel like you know I got to get in a wheelchair and, and roll myself out of here. I said an NBA terms. You know, I know, I know, because it's just like, oh man, it's crazy. Because we did talk about it. Earlier. I did already say oh, he's. He's already 29, but yeah, when you mentioned Paul George, it's like that's four more years. And look, the Clippers are not looking to deal Paul George after they just traded for James Harden. This is their all-in push. So I, I don't see him being available, but for number one on my list, Tobias it's another Harris. guy that – yeah, totally. Uh, look, it's another guy that might not be available – but I'm going to keep dreaming and hoping that he is because this guy has true all-star potential and is one of the better two-way players in this league. When you talk about could he be a number two, this guy, I think he can. His name is Mikel Bridges. Yep. And at age 27, he fits this timeline perfectly. And I do think that he could make a massive impact for the Pacers on both sides of the ball. A couple of years ago, he was a Defensive Player of the Year candidate. I thought when he got traded to Brooklyn, he exploded on the scene. I feel like this is a guy that when you say, could he be the number two option? I think he's a guy that 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 could lead your team overall. Hal Burton, I always think, could be the number one option, but doesn't need to be the number one scoring option. I think Mikel Bridges can be that number one scoring option for the Pacers, but definitely a top two player and a fantastic running mate. For Tyrese, when I say top two player, I mean on the Pacers. What will he cost? Probably everything. Uh, Here's the thing. He's owed $70 million over the next three seasons. That includes this one. 
but it's between 22 to 25 million dollars. That's as good as it gets for a player of his caliber. I've heard before that there might have been an offer for four first-round picks for Bridges, and Brooklyn turned it down. I don't know what that offer might have to look like for the Pacers, but the Pacers do have young talent that they could move in addition to first-round picks, and maybe Brooklyn will never let him go. But that man, in my opinion, is the perfect fit for the Indiana Pacers. I think there'd be about 28, 29 teams calling if they found out Mikel Bridges is on the market. There's no doubt about it. He's my number one, two, Fachi, and I think it's because he's 26, 27 years old this year, right in his prime, perfect player to play the three position. Same reason I was excited about Trey Murphy. I just think he's on a different level than Trey Murphy. But, hey, maybe Trey Murphy can get there. I don't know. But you talk about being a scorer. Can you be that secondary scorer? Well, Fachi, he is 25th in the NBA in scoring right now, which is pretty darn good for 30 teams, which means – you know, at least he's a leading scorer of his team, but even Cam Thomas points per game has more than him. So that's a little funny to me, but it is. Uh, if you're just looking at points per game, he's right up there in the top 25. So that tells you enough that, okay, he can be that secondary guy. And I feel like the Suns gave up on him a little early. Obviously they went out to get Kevin Durant, but Kevin Durant was like, what, 35 when they traded for him. So that was a big time move. And I think that the Suns, you know, they're all in win right now. Maybe they do win a championship this year and we'll see what happens. You know, the guy, Injury-prone Bradley Beal, who's going to be returning soon. If he didn't return tonight, I know it was soon. But they've they've got a, a squad in, in Brooklyn that's up and down. And I think that they're still trying to figure out what they want to do with that squad because there's a lot of good players on that team, but they're just not like a team that's going to be able to put it all together. They don't have the right, uh, the right structure in terms of like how they're built, I don't think, right now. They're still missing a lot of pieces. But like I think Nick Claxton's good. I think Mikael Bridges is good. I think Dorian Finney-Smith, while he's a little bit older, like he's somebody that I would kind of put in that same boat as like a Kyle Anderson type of player that you'd go out and trade for. Give I think the Pacers, if they were trying to just make like a minimal move, right, maybe getting Dorian Finney-Smith at the starting four over and Obi Toppin would make a little bit more sense. But yeah, especially defensively. But yeah, I, I totally agree with you on Mikael Bridges. I think that he is the, the prize package. He is the one that you want to go out there and give all those extra assets to. But let me ask you this. If push comes to shove and they say we need Benedict Matherin plus two first-round picks and pick swaps for Mikel Bridges, are you swallowing the swallowing the pill and doing it? How many pick swaps are we talking here? Even then, honestly, I'm still really intrigued. I know Matherin's two first a good player. Two swaps and Matherin. I think you do it. I really do okay. think you do it. Here's, here's the thing. Look, Matherin's good. He's good. Will he ever be Mikel Bridges good? I'm going to say no, because I don't think the defense is ever going to be there. I think the defense is already there for Bridges. And I know you said he's a top 25 scorer. You know, I feel like in 2023, it doesn't pack as much of a punch as saying he's averaging over 23 points per game. Because I feel like back then, you know, it used to be, you know, I don't know, 23 points per game used to be more of like a, hey, you're like, you know, top 15 scorer or something like that. Now it feels like guys put up numbers. You mentioned he's the second leading scorer on his own team. But also, it's not just the 23 points per game. He's shooting over 49% from the field. He's shooting about 38% from three. He averages six rebounds per game, four assists. Like, there's just so much that he does well. And I think that when you're talking about the two first-round picks, I think if you make a trade for Mikel Bridges, you're not worried about first-round picks now in developing those type of guys. So I think that's fine. The pick swaps, 
is Brooklyn ever really going to be this team that all of a sudden is so good that we get these picks that are like 28th? I don't think so. Yeah. So I think that that helps. For Matherin, yeah, you know, you hope that he doesn't end up, I mean, look, you still root for him, but you assume that he doesn't end up being this megastar. Bridges is on that cusp of like, he feels like he'll be a future all-star who could potentially also be a defensive player of the year. Those type of players, they just don't come around. So I'll ask you that question. Yeah. Would you do that trade that you proposed? It'd be tough. It'd be tough for me to do it to, to give up on Matherin after investing the six overall pick in him that yeah. early. Yeah. I think if I'm the Pacers, I'd probably say no. Mm, just because okay. it's a lot of draft capital you're giving up there. You're basically giving up three first round picks by giving up Matherin and two other first round picks and two swaps. And I think that's kind of similar to what the Suns gave up for Kevin Durant. <laughs> so, oh, oh yeah, they gave up everything for yeah. Kevin Durant. But I forget how know. many picks and swaps it was, but it's just like it's just a lot. As much as I like Mikael Bridges, I think I need to see a longer or a larger sample size of him being the guy before I make that kind of move. I, I think that I would probably be a little bit hesitant on it. I would think about it. I'd mull it over. I would talk with my staff, and I would say, "Okay, give me the pros and cons. Let's get out of big board." And put up, you know, like the good and the bad of this trade and stuff like that. But, you know, him and him and Tyrese are, are tight and him and Tyrese are special. And I think ultimately what it would come down to is I would ask Tyrese, okay, here's the offer. You know, picks aside, we can live with the picks. If we get the right player for our team, then we'll we'll live without having those two extra picks. Because you get picks all the time. Like I know Ty Windish was talking about that on our show. It's like, yeah, you trade a mm-hmm. bunch of picks. Well, then you get them just like in a year later because of the Stepien rule. So you ask Tyrese Halbert. If we made this trade, would you think it would benefit the team? And what do you think? And if he was the one that said, yes, I love Ben, but we need Mikhail, then I do it. But if Tyrese is hesitant, then I would be hesitant too. So it's a, it's a tough question. That's why I put you on the spot because I don't think that I would be as eager to trade Matherin plus all that stuff for Mikhail. But it, it, he's a pretty darn good fit. He's a reason he's number one on our list. And I would have a hard time saying Yes to it, but I'd also have a hard time kn- knowing that I turned a deal down that could have got me him as well. Yeah, here's the thing. Here's uh, here's why I feel a little bit different is because look what we're doing with someone that we just drafted, eighth overall, whatever you want to say, seventh, eighth between the trade, Jarris Walker. He's not playing. And right now, if the Pacers continue to go down this road and get better and better, is that next? draft pick playing when do we get to the point where we had too many draft picks to develop because right now there's guys like Andrew Nemhart and and Isaiah Jackson that were like okay these were first round picks we want to get more playing time for you know they play their their fair share of minutes but I also feel like moving forward you know as this team continues to get better and you want to win what happens to those guys that that you're still trying to develop it becomes tougher because you want to win and if you have bridges and you have Halliburton, and you still have at this point. Remember this. Uh, Bridges has three years on that deal. True. Three years. And that's between 20 to $25 million. You still have that ability to get better. And he's yeah. not costing you what a guy like Siakam's going to cost salary-wise, where you are looking at 40 to $50 million. He's actually going to be half of that for the next few seasons. So that's the, the part that really goes, wow. Wait a minute. We still have a lot of guys on on other on small deals. We do have a chance to get better, but it's not a no brainer. You do have to really think about it because this is going to be 
probably the biggest trade that you've ever made in franchise history. I mean, you're giving up a lot of picks. You're giving up young, real promising talent. But I, I do think that over the next couple of years, you're you're really going to wonder what is Matherin's ceiling? What could he be? I think right now for Bridges, he's already a very, very special player. Who, yet yeah, to your point, look, we're talking about right now, it's 48 games combined to when he got traded to Brooklyn last year to now, where he's been like the guy. Last year, he averaged 26 points per game. This year, 23. The, he's always been very efficient. The defense has always been there. He couldn't really be doing much more right yeah. now. So I like what I've seen. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's one of those things where I was like, I'm, I'm like 50-50 on it because you, we're, we're coming off of a great Ben Matherin game too. Maybe I'm a little bit oh, excited after that. Yes, and that that's fair. That's fair. Where would you have been two weeks ago after Matherin performance where he has like nine, nine points or something yeah. like that? You'd probably be signing off on this deal. Yeah, because Matherin has been very inconsistent in his young career already. And I do worry about his fit long-term next to Tyrese Halliburton just because they do play a little bit different styles where I think Bridges probably fits a better style of play for a guy like Tyrese Halliburton. So, you know, I, I would be happy either way. If the Pacers were like, we believe in Matherin, thank you. I'm glad that you believe in him. If you don't believe in Matherin and this deal's on the table and you make the trade for Bridges, I'm like, oh, thank you. <laughs> we got Mikel Bridges. So, yes, yeah, it's, uh, it's tough. But I, I do think that, like you talked about, that salary cap situation – Maybe it does allow the Pacers still to kind of go out there and get somebody in free agency next offseason, even if Bridges is already on the roster. Maybe they could go out there and get an OG or a Pascal still, uh, depending on how they want to structure that contract. But I think there's a lot of different ways they can make this work, and it does get me excited. And I think one thing we forgot to mention is OG Ananobi does have a player option. So if you did trade for him, he could opt into it. Don't think he will, but there is a possibility. No. He says, let me opt in. And then I'll resign the next year for a bigger one. I want to make sure we can get as much talent as we can. Like, that's just like a thank you to him. And it's like a promise, <laughs> like a wink, wink. Hey, you know, like yeah. uh, James Harden, if you come back, we'll give you a nice Yeah, yeah that this, worked out for him, huh? <laughs> but with that being said, I mean, that's that's pretty cool. So I, I think that it's pretty funny how we went from Kyle Anderson all the way to Mikael Bridges here to talk about impact players. He's got so, wild. He got wild, Botch. But I think go ahead and give me a rundown real quick of your five players. I'll do mine and then we'll get out of here. All right. My five players I had at number five, I had the big name himself, Kyle Anderson. At number four, Pascal Siakam. Number three, DeAndre Hunter. Number four, OG Ananobi. Two, and two, number, number two. Well, number two, OG Ananobi. Number one, Mikel Bridges. Absolutely. For me, number five, we had Lori Markinen. At number four, Trey Murphy the third. Number three, OG Ananobi. Number two, Pascal Siakam. Number one, Mikael Bridges. I think we only had one that was ranked the same. We did have three that were the same, which were like the three that I felt the most confident in putting on my list. And the other two were kind of like a little bit back and forth there. So I like that, Bachi. So go ahead and tell the people where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at PacersPodSTP. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at PacersPodSTP. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, go to YouTube.com slash Setting the Pace Pacers Podcast. We can find all of our post-game video recaps over there and anything else we might throw up just for fun. Maybe this episode will be put on there, but 
I, I wouldn't bet your bottom dollar on that one, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see. Um, but with that being said, uh, Fachi, I'm just excited that the Pacers are playing good basketball. They're they're right where they need to be, and they're just competing like crazy. They they obviously are in a good spot. But if you're hoping the Pacers can can just keep this momentum going and eventually add a number two start to the roster, then hit me with those three words. Let's go, Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.